the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The DOJ opens a review of law enforcement response to the Robb Elementary School tragedy. Somebody did not follow standard operating procedures. A group of bipartisan senators are set to begin talks on gun control measures. Red flag laws seem to be the easiest path to consensus. The White House inches closer to student loan forgiveness. This proposal, as far as we know, does only cover $10,000 of student debt. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, May 31st. I'm Mike Scott. The Justice Department announced it will review the law enforcement response to the Texas school shooting. The review was prompted by questions about the shifting, at a times, contradictory information from authorities. Department spokesman Anthony Coley says the review will be conducted in a, quote, fair, impartial, and independent manner, end quote, and the findings would be made public. The announcement came as President Joe Biden was visiting Uvalde, where he and First Lady Jill Biden paid their respects at a memorial to the 19 students and two teachers killed at Robb Elementary School on Tuesday. The feds were requested to come in by a local official. The focus of this specific review to provide an independent account of law enforcement's actions. Maria Haberfeld is a professor of police science at John Jay College of Criminal Justice and says police should always go after the shooter. Based on, 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 on the training, on active shooter training, you, uh, you know, the moment you, you hear shots, you, you breach the door. Haberfeld says there was protocol that was not followed by police in Uvalde, Texas, during the school shooting. Somebody did not follow standard operating procedures for their department, but who it was, I don't know, because there were a number of agencies involved. Haberfeld goes on to say that police strategy changed after the Columbine shootings. Until Columbine, they used to wait for the hostage negotiations team to arrive, a backup to arrive. After Columbine, it really changed drastically. It is not immediately clear how the review will be conducted, whether law enforcement officials will be compelled to cooperate in that review and when it might be completed. In the ongoing war in Ukraine, Russian-backed separatists claim they captured a railway hub in eastern Ukraine as Moscow's forces pushed to gain more ground Friday by pounding another Ukrainian-held area where authorities say 1,500 have died since the war's start. With Russia's offensive in Ukraine's industrial Donbass region showing minor progress, Ukrainian officials characterized the battle as grave and renewed their appeals for more sophisticated Western-supplied weaponry. 
This comes as lawmakers from NATO countries are calling for a solution to transport grain and other products from Ukraine to get around a Russian blockade of Black Sea ports. NATO lawmakers say that Africa and the Middle East import around 50% of these products that come out of the Black Sea based on U.N. data. And based on that data, Africa will face famine. Meantime, the U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says he's confident that Turkey's objections to Finland and Sweden joining NATO can be overcome swiftly, possibly in time for a summit of alliance leaders at the end of next month. Speaking with the Salem Radio Network, former U.S. Senator Jim Tallent anticipates that Turkey's president will likely back down from its objections to Finland and Sweden joining the NATO alliance. I think that Erdogan is responding a lot to this perceived domestic situation. This is an opportunity for him to score points with people back home by showing he's not just going along with what you know the rest of NATO wants to do. Talent told the Hugh Hewitt Show that Turkey's president will accept the applications for Finland and Sweden to join NATO. He's going to have to get some concessions that shows you know he was a real player in this. And then I think he's, he's going to agree. Talent goes on to say that Turkey's president, in the end, will say yes to the two Nordic countries joining NATO. Once he shows that, that he got something and wasn't just a, you know, a puppet of the rest of NATO, I think he'll go along. Tragedies in Uvalde and in Buffalo, New York, have reignited the gun restriction debate with President Joe Biden announcing his opinion that the Second Amendment was an absolute. I'm just sick and tired of what's going on. It continues to go on. I spent my career as chairman of the Judiciary Committee and as vice president working for common sense gun reforms. As I said, as a senator and a vice president. While they clearly will not prevent every tragedy, We know certain ones will have significant impact and have no negative impact on the Second Amendment. Second Amendment is not absolute. When it was passed, you couldn't own a you couldn't own a cannon. A bipartisan group of senators hopes to find common ground on gun policy and plans to continue talks this week. Democrat Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut is hopeful. Um, We need federal legislation, and my hope is that this time is different. I get it. Every single time after one of these mass shootings, um, there's talks in Washington, and they never succeed. But there are more Republicans interested in talking about finding a path forward this time than I have ever seen since Sandy Hook. And, well, in the end, I may end up being heartbroken. Um, I am at the table in a more significant way right now with Republicans and Democrats than uh, ever before. Certainly many more Republicans willing to talk right now than were willing to talk after Sandy Hook. CBS congressional correspondent Scott McFarland explains that today a group of bipartisan senators will meet virtually. There will be a virtual meeting, CBS News has learned, including Texas Republican John Cornyn and Connecticut Democrat Chris Murphy at a minimum. Senator Cornyn is the Republican who's been dispatched by Republican leadership to be part of these bipartisan discussions. What Senator Cornyn said today is that they're going to talk about a basic framework tomorrow and move from there. 
Senator Murphy has been pretty clear he doesn't want a messaging bill, something that illustrates or amplifies political divides. He wants a compromise bill. McFarland says that the bipartisan working group is focusing on red flag laws and explains what red flag laws may do. What's on the table? We've spoken to a number of people today who are familiar with this bipartisan group, and they say red flag laws seem to be the easiest path to consensus. Red flag laws exist in about 20 states nationwide. They allow a court or a judge to order firearms seized from somebody who is ruled officially to be dangerous. What Congress could do is come up with a system to fund states' efforts to pass red flag laws in the form of grants or otherwise to expand red flag laws from the set of states in which they already exist to other states. McFarland says that other hopes Democrats may have for bipartisan legislation outside of red flag laws may not get enough support to pass in the Senate. Senator Murphy has also talked about tying up some of the loopholes in the federal background check system. We've been asking through the week Democratic senators and staffers whether there's a threshold, whether there's a possibility, Lana, for a 60-vote passage of anything to do with raising the age for purchase of assault weapons or prohibitions on high-capacity magazines. Those pathways just aren't there. The red flag law, the background checks, that seems more realistic at this point in time. However, a former Trump Department of Defense advisor, Corey Mills, believes that gun control is treating a symptom and not the disease. Well, the bottom line is I think that they're trying to treat the symptoms while recognizing the disease. You know, the reality here is that we have an issue in mental health. We have an issue with not having the readiness and the preparedness of individual schools. We do not have a standardization of protocols on how we actually treat every single school. We don't have something that says each school must be hardened. Each school must have a standoff distance. Each school must have an armed resource officer. Uh, We must have key fob entry. We must have. So while we're going forward and we're doing these Department of Justice investigations or what we call the military after action reviews, we should also be be looking at the threat and mitigation measures, and we should be looking at each individual office or each individual school. You know, we have $54 billion to spend over the last two months in Ukraine to protect the communities, to protect the children of Ukraine, but we're not putting that money back into our own communities where we're actually trying to save and protect our children here at home. The U.S. Supreme Court is set to issue its first major ruling on gun rights in over a decade. Most experts believe a substantial broadening of Second Amendment rights will be handed down from the bench soon. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband was arrested over the weekend after getting involved in a two-vehicle crash. Daybreak Insider's Jennifer King has details on the accident. Authorities say 82-year-old Paul Pelosi was taken into custody late Saturday night and released Sunday on $5,000 bond. He is suspected of driving under the influence after driving a Porsche into an intersection and getting hit by a Jeep in Napa County, California. No injuries were reported and the driver of the Jeep was not arrested. Pelosi could face misdemeanor charges, including driving under the influence and driving with a blood alcohol level of .08 or higher. His wife, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, was on the East Coast to give a commencement address at Brown University. A spokesperson told the Associated Press the speaker will not be commenting on this private matter. I'm Jennifer King. Former President Donald Trump held a rally to support Harriet Hageman, the Republican he endorsed to challenge former Republican Conference Chair Liz Cheney in the 2022 Republican primary for Wyoming's single at-large 
U.S. House seat. The former president began the rally by talking about unseating House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and her Democrat leadership. He also spoke of how Wyoming voters will help regain Republican control of Congress in November. The former president promised the crowd in Casper, Wyoming, that political change was coming. Over the next six months, the people of Wyoming are going to vote to dump your rhino congresswoman Liz Cheney. Trump says Hageman, the congressional candidate he endorsed, will help bring that change. And you're going to send the incredible Harriet Hageman to Congress, and together we are going to end crazy Nancy Pelosi's political career once and for all. Trump went on to tell the crowd that the president and Democrats in Congress are ruining the economy. They want to close you down, so remember that when you walk into that booth. Right, Harriet? They're going to remember. And Harriet's the exact opposite. As everyone here understands, Joe Biden and the radical Democrats are destroying our nation. Millions of Americans traveled over the holiday weekend, greeted by unprecedented prices at the gas pump. The national average for regular gasoline rose to a fresh record of 4.62 a gallon on Monday, according to AAA. That's up a penny from Sunday and 44 cents more expensive than a month ago. GasBuddy.com's Patrick DeHaan says as prices keep rising, perhaps less Americans will hit the road. I do expect that as we go higher and potentially closer to that $5 mark, more Americans are simply going to stop driving or slow down consumption and that will further soften what is already seasonally soft consumption. DeHaan says there's only one direction, he believes, for gas prices right now. The price of uh, wholesale gasoline on markets jumped uh, to another 2022 high, and that will likely push the national average even higher than where it is today. We could see an increase to 4.75 a gallon over the next couple of weeks, and ultimately, our odds are greater now that we could hit $5 than not hitting it. A couple of closely watched employment reports are due out this week, along with an update on the economy from the Fed. Daybreak Insider's Rich Thomason has details on what to look out for this week for the U.S. economy. After the holiday, things get rolling Tuesday with the release of the Conference Board's Consumer Confidence Index for May. Also Tuesday, we'll get two separate reports on home prices. The Fed releases its Beige Book report on Wednesday. Thursday, factory orders come into focus, along with payroll processor ADP's employment report. Rounding out the week, the government's jobs report for May is due out on Friday. Rich Thomason reporting. Millions of federal student loan borrowers may soon be able to get some long-awaited debt relief. The White House is inching toward providing $10,000 in debt relief for singles earning $150,000 and below, along with couples earning $300,000 and under. The Hill's Niles Stanage joined News Nation to explain the White House's proposal. Stanage says not everyone will be eligible to have their debt forgiven. 
If you're earning over $150,000 a year or you're filing jointly as a couple earning more than $300,000 a year, you are likely to be out of luck. Now, of course, we have to emphasize, Ruta Bay, this is not finalized yet, but this is what the reporting is suggesting. Stanage also goes on to say that the proposal will not impact future students. Specifically, it is a one-time thing. Future students cannot look forward to some guarantee of this level of student loan forgiveness. Now, obviously, it does set a precedent. There are issues of fairness that are raised by this. Are you just going to burden future students with the debt and say, tough luck? But the point is, this specific measure wouldn't affect future students. Stanage also says the proposal, as it stands will only cover $10,000 per student. This proposal, as far as we know, does only cover $10,000 of student debt. People with advanced degrees would typically have racked up much bigger um, loan amounts than that, and they would still be left to to pay them off. There's also a, a fair amount to suggest that actually it would be the less well-off borrowers who might benefit from this kind of a measure. Stanage says the big gamble is that in forgiving the debt, borrowers will use the money they would have spent on repayment and dump it into the economy. One element of it is the possible lifting of the moratorium on student loan repayments. If that moratorium is lifted, then that money that people owe on student loans goes back ultimately into the U.S. Treasury. The broader argument that you're alluding to, I think, Ruta Bay, is if this money is forgiven, that means those people who have recently graduated don't need to use that money to service debt, and they could use it to start businesses or to spend or to otherwise engage in economic activity from which other people would presumably benefit. Some experts and Democrat lawmakers are sounding the alarm on targeting loan forgiveness, citing the administrative burden that will fall squarely on the poorest borrowers. And finally, the Mona Lisa had a cake thrown at it by a man who reportedly disguised himself as a woman using a wheelchair. There is new video out of Paris this morning that shows the mess left behind after somebody decided to smear cake right over the Mona Lisa. Look at this footage. In the center there, you see a man cleaning that cake off the artwork's protective glass. Yeah, it does have glass protecting it. It happened yesterday. People at the Louvre say that the man dressed up as an old lady jumped out of a wheelchair, smeared the cake over the glass. Yeah, people heard him yelling out, quote, think about the planet, end quote. The man was eventually removed by security, Leonardo da Vinci's famous artwork, unharmed thanks to the glass. According to reports, the 36-year-old man had been detained and sent to a police psychiatric unit in Paris. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.